On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I'm joined by my brother Cody as we discuss his 3-0 start in our fantasy baseball league. And Justin Kleinert is in for the Schmidt break as we talk college football and we look at the upcoming SEC schedules and also what Justin Fields is doing to try and get football back in the Big Ten. We'll have all that and more coming up next. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 25. Yes, we've hit the quarter century mark of Talking Schmidt episodes, and I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, It took us like 15 episodes to get him on with us, and now he's making his third appearance on with me. So, uh, and a milestone moment, Cody, welcome into the show in a, uh, a celebratory celebratory show, if you will, because we've made it to 25 episodes and I have not been canceled. I haven't been kicked off. Justin hasn't got me kicked off more than anything. Uh, and we're still making it, man. Yes. Thank you for having me. You know, the people want the voice. They want to hear me on here and they want to hear this voice of mine. I don't know. I get tired of hearing it. I'm sure Justin gets tired of hearing it. You probably sometimes get tired of hearing it, but the people like it. And uh, also, it does help that I keep winning on the uh, the Talking Schmidt Fantasy Baseball League. So I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to be able to talk some Schmidt with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. You were talking about uh, how how successful you've been here um, with our fantasy baseball league, and and I had I did not get the chance to tweet out the uh, standings uh, currently in our league, but I will go over those uh, real quick with everyone, so everybody kind of knows what happened um, last week in matchup three. Uh, we'll start off if it'll load for me. Here we go. Sometimes you know technology; it's a little bit behind here. Maybe it doesn't want me to see matchup three. That's fine. Um, it knows that I lost again, so it's like, don't relive that, Ethan. Um, let me see. I don't I don't understand what's going on here. What's what's the uh, malfunction? There we go. Maybe. There we go. Uh, so let's go back to the scoreboard here. It was moving, and then I pressed something else, and it didn't want to go. So, okay. So we'll start off with uh, your matchup with Brian Brake, which was our top game last week because it was the Battle of Undefeateds in the Eastern Division, and you actually won that by 100 points over Brian Brake, which was uh, an outstanding thing. Um, Mike Trout performed well for him, 57 total points. You had Charlie Blackman as your top performer at 47 points. Uh, Going into that one, you kind of knew Brian's strategy, but I felt like you felt the pressure you needed to get that victory against him. And believe it or not, that was actually out of... That was like our second lowest scoring game. That might have been our lowest scoring game out of all other matchups was between the top two teams in the East, but you were able to squeak, well, not even squeak out, win by 100 on Brian. Yes, it was, it was an interesting week. You know, that was something that you talked about, Justin talked about. Uh, Brian and I went to the week with the being two of the top four. I think he was the overall points earner, and I was like, wait, three, possibly four going into the week. And uh, for us to have the lowest score game is kind of kind of ironic. However, I will say this: you know, it was a short week last week. A lot of my players weren't really, you know, they, their teams didn't have games. A lot of Brian's players, their teams didn't have games. And uh, I, I knew Brian wasn't going to use that waiver wire. I knew he wasn't, you know, he's going to stick to his strategy. So I know I had to go in there and get some players, including uh, get my boy Jack Flaherty there and bring him on the uh, the Brick Schmidt House to uh, be an ace for me. So I was pretty pleased with the results. Definitely look forward to this week, though. Got you know, a very challenge, you know, big challenge by Justin Kleinert, who managed to, I believe, 
put the most points up last week. Yeah, he, he put up the most points. Uh, that's our other game in the East. That dropped me to 0-3. Um, the most points that were scored last week, 659 uh, points by Justin. And, uh, yeah, he outscored. I believe he outscored. Yeah, he did. Uh, he outscored uh, Jared, who had the second most points. But for the third straight week, I had the top you know, top three, top four points scored, <laughs> and I've been unable to pick up a victory. Uh, he had Anthony Rendon, who scored 74 points from his top performer. Mookie Betts woke up for him. Uh, that was much needed for him as well. 72 points in that series for him. Um, and then uh, Aaron Nola, the pitcher for the Phillies, 64 points. Nola was rolling in those two appearances that uh, that he had. He destroyed the oh, Braves yeah. in the first one, um, which, of course, Justin was like, I really didn't want to watch it, but I knew like I needed those points against you. Um, and then he did well in his second outing as well. Uh, for me, Sterling, uh, Starling Marte had 48 points. I'm playing without Aaron Judge right now. He's day-to-day. Uh, Aaron, uh, I had Bregman who had 45 points. Scherzer had 43. So that rounded out our Eastern division. We had the one, um, the one game that was inner, inner squad, if you will, or inner, inner league play. And that was Jared Karkuff beating Jake Stansel. He had 625 points in that one for the second most point total scored last week for the top leader in the Western Division. Jared Karkuff, our only other undefeated team. Trey Turner had 73 points for him. Uh, Santander had 72. And on the other side, that uh, Jake had uh, Asdrubal Cabrera, who had 49 points, who was his top scorer. On the Western side of things, Mike Rabbit, 589 points. So actually, he did outscore me. I, did, I think he had a late a late game there. So he actually, I finished with fourth most points last week. Um, he had 589. Lowe had 87 points for him. He beat Tyler Dickerson, who put up 500. Dickerson now 0-3 as well. So uh, my good friend Tyler and I, we're just, uh, we're just slumming right now. Um, <laughs> but a big congratulations. Yeah, that's what the dangers are. Yeah, we are. We're, uh, we're on the cusp of being completely eliminated um a big shout out to our guy john wilson uh who's third now in the western division his first victory he beat uh aj 523 to 356 he had juan soto who we, i'm glad he he's very glad that he's back and, and rolling who had 94 points for him uh, was our highest point scorer that we had on teams from last week so that's where we round up here uh looking at our standings that we have here um you lead the wet or the eastern side with a hundred percent win percentage here. You're three and zero. Brian now two and one. Um, Kleiner now two and one. Jake one and two. I'm zero and three on the other side, as I mentioned. Jared Karkuff, the Cuff Man, the Iceman, three and zero. Mike Rabbit two and one. John Wilson one and two. AJ one and two. And Tyler Dickerson zero and three. Now. When you're looking at that, and, and I know that obviously your sights are being put on Justin this upcoming week, um, I'm going to say this much. I feel that a team that you really have to watch out for is going to be Mike's team. Right. I think right now with him and John, they're in a, a must, you know, both of them are like a must win situation where they have you know, either one they really need to get the win this week to stay in the playoff chase, in the playoff hunt. Um, now, really, I, I feel very comfortable, you know, if I beat Justin, when I beat Justin, I should say, um, because that puts me at 4-0. and I feel at that point, you're in a pretty solid position to carry your division, at least, in a shortened season. So, this is a must-win for me this week, just because you know, we could be in a three-way tie for first place, and only two teams advance. So, 
you know, possibly looking at myself, John, or not John, but myself, Brian, and Justin all being three and one. And uh, two of those teams have a little bit more points than I do. So I definitely want to make sure I secure the victory and control my own destiny going forward. But I was thinking that today, too. You know, Mike and John, they're both in, you know, their game I think is pretty pivotal. It's a must win for both of those teams. Yeah, and Jared, I feel Jared's got a, he's got AJ this week, which uh, is, you know, AJ has had uh, one win so far this season, but he's he's struggled these past two weeks. Um, and then after that, uh, we do have a good matchup between uh, Jared and Mike in that Western division. But there's a possibility that, you know, I mean, by the time that we get to uh, the end of the season here, Jared's got Jared will play me the last week, and and if I keep continuing to have the great success I have, um, there's a good possibility that I don't even get past Jake on this one. So, uh, or Jared on this one. So, um, there's a good possibility. I look at it. I, I feel you have a, a pretty good. Um, I feel like you have a pretty good route to the end as well. Um, you're getting out some of your big scorers early on against you. Um, taking down myself, Brian, and then, you know, taking on Justin now. So you get a chance against Justin here, you know, a good possibility you're taking down three of those top scorers. Um, and then from there, uh, you have a great possibility. I, I think both of our top teams right now, we're looking at you guys. There's a good possibility you guys might be able to roll through here. You'll have John and, and matchup six and then matchup seven for you if it'll load quickly here. Matchup seven you would end that against AJ. So right now, I think your biggest challenges have been through these first uh, first three weeks or four weeks here. Um, and then from there, really you, you might have a chance to just kind of roll out here. So um, do you think at this point, because you'll have Jake uh, in week five as well. So the way you're looking at it right now, if you get past Justin, do you feel that you have the ability to go, dare I say, undefeated on this season? Well, I think it's always a possibility. I would, you know, that'd be awesome. Go ahead and just, you know, sweep it. Uh, but I do feel that a win this week will, you know, even if I do lose a couple, even if I were to go on a three-game skid, um, I'm pretty sure I have at least one of the top two positions locked down fairly easily. So I'm uh, not trying to be overly confident here, but, uh, you know, winning this week basically I think punches my ticket. So I'm, I'm excited about that. First time ever doing fantasy baseball, as I, as I mentioned before, and honestly, probably more of a casual baseball fan than you know compared to those of you who have you know, worked in the industry, whether it be actually as a player or in the media. So I'm, I'm kind of pleased. Uh, the trouble this week, though, is Justin and I usually you know we kind of pick each other's brains on that waiver wire and the free agency list and kind of having to keep, you know, hide my hand from him a little bit because I can't let him know what I'm thinking or who I'm, who I'm going for. So that's been a little bit complicated this week is not being able to use Justin as that sort of a, you know, buffer and sounding board on, you know, hey, who good guy looks like he's trending hot and who isn't. So I'm going to have to kind of keep it to myself. Yeah, um, I, I really uh... – I'm. I've kind of. I've. I've been upset about the the whole situation because Justin said I needed to talk about this. He beat me with three players that I dropped. So um, honestly, <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Canna, uh, who had a great outing for the really the weekend for the A's, um, was one of them. He has uh, Rosario, who I dropped as well. Um, but a lot of those players that I drop, I, I want to mention this. You know, I, the reason why I had to drop them was because. I had a lot of guys who I couldn't get rid of, guys like Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, and uh, Aaron Judge, 
Um, and even Rice Hoskins, who, which, uh, you know, at this time might be able to drop him because he has not been performing well in Philly. Um, but a, a lot of those players I had to hold on to because I knew that they would do better later on. However, we had everything going on with the coronavirus. And, and honestly, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how Jack Flaherty did today for you, but I imagine he did pretty well looking at your score right now. Um, but Flaherty starting Wednesday. Oh, is he starting Wednesday now? Okay. Right. You know, cause I had, you know, Jack Flaherty was one of my players who I wanted to hang on to. Um, but with the coronavirus break, they would not allow you to, um, uh, you, you couldn't, you couldn't like, you couldn't put them on IL technically, even though they missed almost two weeks of action or, you know, they missed the 10 days of action. We should have been able to put him on the IL, so I could have picked up and, and had more. And, if, and and finally, I just had to drop him if I was even going to make a break on Justin. Um, so I do feel like that has played kind of hard on my team. And so some of those guys that I did have, I ended up having to drop them or you know you know figure something out with them because I was having an issue uh, trying to find them. And right now I have uh, Ramon Lariano who's suspended because of his fight that he had with the Astros. And then I also have a judge who's dated or who's uh, on the IL now. So um, it's been weird. And I know you talked about it earlier today. You had to make a lot of um, uh, decisions on some players too, because you had a lot of players who were, uh, who were either injured or sitting out today. It's business at the end of the day, you know, try to find guys who are trending guys who are, you know, playing hot. I mean, it's a, it's a weird season to begin with, so trying to pick up on a guy who is really starting to get in the groove and, you know, is healthy and, of course, is, you know, coronavirus-free and playing on a team that's coronavirus-free is certainly part of the strategy this year. So uh, I was very fortunate to get Flaherty because, you know, Strasburg, you know, he went down again. Um, and he's been kind of having some injury issues since the season began, so I'm kind of Hoping that he's, you know, he, he does come back for me. That just can only make my team stronger. But, you know, for right now, uh, I had to make some tough decisions, only three IL spots. So I used all those up and had to let some guys go and pick some, some, pick some guys up and rotate them out. So that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Right now we also have a rain delay in New York. So all of our guys who are out there in New York, Boston playing right now, that game's kind of postponed right now. So that's, uh, that's why I keep looking at my score. And I'm like, why is nothing popping up here? But that's that's what's going on out there. So, um, again, man, congratulations on another successful week for you here. I, I know you. that you're, uh, you know, you're doing really well with it, and I feel like you've been able to really play the waivers uh, better than I have, um, you know, and and just been able to really pick up some some guys like you said who are trending in the right way. Um, I know that we kept trying to get Brian on here to talk to him about stuff, and then finally, you know, he hand, he gets handed his first loss. But I agree with you. I think, um, I think honestly, you two have the best opportunity to make it. You know, especially if Justin does end up losing this week, I think that you have to really put in perspective that um, I don't think I don't think a two loss team or a three loss team makes the playoffs by any mean, unless the end of the season just gets crazy. I think it's going to be uh, some teams that I think there'll be at least one team that goes undefeated and one that will have one loss. Um, you know that we might have that might be how we have it. We might have a combined like two losses total by teams who are playing um in the uh in the final games or in the at least in the top four bracket so i think that'll be a crazy situation and and just one that we'll have to really keep an eye on 
as we continue. You got any uh, any advice for anybody out right now who might be playing some fantasy baseball listening in? You got any uh, insider stuff? I know Justin's going to listen to this, so you don't have to say too much, but <laughs> you, got, uh, you got anything you want to sneak in there real quick? Well, I'll say this for all those that are wanting to bolster their fantasy team, be on the same level as Brick Schmidt House. I get up early. I get up really early to go to work. And the first thing I do when I get up is check the, uh, the the ESPN app and see who's playing and who's not and go ahead and make those changes early so don't forget because it's easy to forget throughout the day and some of the games start pretty early in the afternoon. So you want to make sure you're ahead of that before you get locked in. So just be very uh, consistent, be very you know proactive and making sure your, your lineup is set before games start you know, playing around like you know noon. Absolutely, man. Well, it's uh, great getting a chance to talk with you again. Um, like I said, it was it was cool to have you on for episode twenty five here as we continue our our climb on um, each episode and our our pursuit to a uh, thousand downloads and one hundred episodes will be uh, what we're aiming for. We should, I'm hoping, a thousand downloads because we're almost at seven hundred. So I'm hoping that a yes. thousand downloads will happen hopefully before episode. Uh, let's hope before episode thirty. Um, yeah. Thousand downloads. So a thousand downloads by episode thirty is what we're aiming for. So again, man, thank you so much for your time. As I mentioned, up next we're gonna have the Schmidt break. Justin and I are gonna talk. We have some more uh, college football stuff that just comes. It seems to be the hot topic. Uh, we're gonna jump into that a little bit more here coming up after the break. Hey guys, thanks for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget you can catch us on social media. Just head over to Twitter and find me at underscore Talking Schmidt or on Facebook at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our show. It is the Schmidt Break on episode 25 of Talking Schmidt, and I am in the Schmidt House Studios. Kleinard and Casa de la Kleinard. He's back on the back porch there, the back deck. And uh, Justin, um, I have to ask you one question. Uh, you think it's going to be something that you want to talk about. I'm going to bring up something else. Do you like the new logo, the Miami Vice theme? No. What? That was a good theme. How, how do you not like the Miami Vice theme? I don't like it. Is there is there more reason behind it than I just don't like it? I don't have to give that. I don't have to give a reason. I I need I, like a, I need something. I, don't, I think you should put a poll out, and then you'll see that I'm right. I mm. just don't like it. I, I think a lot of people I like, like it. it. I, I sent it to a well, lot of people I mean, to put eyes on it, and they liked it. There's there's also a lot of people that don't want to see college football played, but you know. I didn't send it to any of those people. I, I I had a really good idea. I thought we use the Miami Vice theme. We make some cartoon versions of us. We have the Schmidt break as the as the words there. We we have some cartoon versions where we have like the Miami Vice theme jackets on it. I think it'd look good, man. That'd be a nice shirt. There's too much black in your hair on the logo. Well, yeah, but that I mean, my hair is black. I don't know what else I can do. I, I I'm not gonna dye it. So what are we gonna do here? Not. <laughs> Not not, a, not enough salt in that pepper if you see if you catch what I'm saying. Oh, I need to put some gray in the logo so people could differentiate. Okay. There you go. All right, all there right, whatever, about. whatever. Everybody's a critic these days, especially you. Let's go ahead, man. I want to start this one off with uh, 
one of my uh, one of my favorite segments that we we kind of push off for a little bit. The one that was uh, originally suggested by Coach um, Isaac Shelby, which was Dumb Schmidt, and uh, it's 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 dumb things that go on in the world. And as you know, I always pick two stories, um, and then I I have you choose which one you think is the dumber Schmidt. So are you ready for this? Fire away. Okay. So both of these ones are, um, let's see, let's start with this one. This one was more around Christmas of last year. So the story goes that a 20-year-old college student was booked into a Washington jail for underage drinking, was seen on surveillance video attempting to steal packages from beneath the Christmas tree at the Pullman Police Department as he left the building. Uh, according to n- the news station there, he soon discovered that one box was empty, one was a tissue box, and the third contained women's hygiene products, so he tossed all of them. So he just got out of jail for underage drinking, and as he's leaving, he was trying to steal the gifts under the station's uh, Christmas tree. Next. Okay. So the next one I have for you is two men were arrested in Santa Rosa County, Florida, after law enforcement officers said they found illegal drugs in a bag labeled bag full of drugs. The men were pulled over by a state trooper for allegedly speeding 25 miles over the limit. Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office canine deputies recently assisted FHP on a traffic stop on I-10 where a large amount of narcotics were discovered. Uh, note to self, do not traffic your illegal narcotics in bags labeled bags full of drugs or canines can our canines can read a Facebook post from Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office said. Whew. I mean the the second one the second one's kind of funny because it's just so stupid. Right. I mean, which most criminals are stupid in the first place. Um, the first guy, uh, Christmas is obviously the greatest time of the year. Correct. Um, hands down, it's the best time of the year. Um, and for a guy to be a prick. And do something like that. Um, I don't think it's funny. I think they should have thrown him back in jail <laughs> and just let him out again. And next time he did something stupid, you know, throw him right back in jail. Right. So, uh, yeah, that guy's just a dumbass. The, the second one was kind of funny, though. Right. I, I like the second one, too. Uh, just imagine pulling up. Um, and you think you need to get the canine dogs out, and you just see it where it says bag full of drugs, and you're like, oh, let's just go ahead and put them away. We already know what's happening here. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's dumb there. Schmidt. Yeah. So that's where we're going with on the dumb Schmidt. Uh, I have one for you. I actually got a, a text message earlier, and I know that you will think uh, this is dumb Schmidt. I didn't agree with the assessment, but I did have uh, the SEC, as we know, release their first look schedule here uh, for the 2020 football schedule because the SEC still plans on playing. Um, and uh, I had a I had a Tennessee volunteer fan text me and say they should go nine. And one. Of course you did. The only loss that they projected was either possibly Auburn or, uh, or yeah, Auburn or Alabama would be the only ones that they think that they would lose. So is this still is this still part of the Dunn Smith segment or have we moved on? No, I that's why I brought it up in this part because I figured that's what oh, you would say in this moment. Somebody. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so let's break. Okay, for the sake of the Tennessee fan that text you, and the Tennessee fans that will listen. Okay, let's just be. Let's just roll through their schedule. Okay, week one, South Carolina. Correct. I like Muschamp, but we'll we'll give the edge to Tennessee fans here. 
because I, I don't know that I can handle the backlash from picking South Carolina. Um, so we'll, we'll give them the win there. I think that will be a tough game because you just don't know what to expect. And it's at South um, Carolina. Of course, and it's at South Carolina. So we'll, we'll see there. We'll, we'll give them that game. I don't think they're going to win it uh, because, you know, Tennessee just doesn't do very well week one. Uh, but you look at week two, uh, Missouri, we'll give them that win. Um, the following week at Georgia, uh, there's a loss. So at week three, at best, two and one. Uh, week four, uh, Tennessee comes to Knoxville. We'll give them that win to get them to three and one. Uh, week five, they play Alabama. Uh, we're going to give them the loss there. So now they're at three and two. Um, and then we'll give them, let's see, in week six. It looks like they have a bye, so yeah. they'll definitely not lose that weekend. That's a relief for Tennessee hey. fans. Um, and then week seven, they're in Arkansas. We'll give them that win. What does that get them to four and two? Yeah. Uh, Got to be careful with live math here. Uh, Texas A&M at uh, Tennessee. I mean, you can't count Ojimbo out there. Uh, but for the sake of whoever texts you, you know, not breaking their heart. <laughs> Uh, you know what? No, we're just going to give them a loss. I, I don't think they're going to beat Texas A&M. Wow. Uh, so what, what does that get them to? Four and three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're knocking on bowl eligibility here. Uh, week eight at Auburn. No way are they going to go down and beat Auburn. Uh, so we get them to 500 here. Uh, week 10. Let's see who they have. They have Vanderbilt. We'll give them the win there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be foolish here. Uh, as much as I would like Vanderbilt to win that game, I, I just don't. I don't think they have enough. I think. I think Vanderbilt's got about six players that are sitting out right now, uh, and unfortunately, one of them is our leading tackler from last year. Uh, so it's going to be a tough go for the Doors this year, uh, especially with no out of conference games. Um, so we'll give them that win to get them to six and was that six and. No, that'd three. be five and four. Five and four, so we get them to five and four, get them above five hundred, going into week eleven. Uh, and who do they wrap the year up with? Florida at Tennessee. Um, I think you know what I'm going to say here, Ethan. Yeah, I, I think the balls will finish five and five. That was kind of what I was looking at as well. I I I thought that week one at South Carolina. Um, just looking at Tennessee's past, um, you know, with that week one game. That's that's a tough one for them, and like we said, we don't really know what's going to come out or what's going to happen. You're going to be on the road. There's not going to be a, a huge fan experience, um, you know. So you really have to get well, used now, to that. Now that plays into the hands of Tennessee's quarterback Garantano. Uh, he, I think he'll play better with no with not a lot of fans in the stands. Um, you know, so I, I think that plays into their. I think that plays to their advantage. But here, here's the thing with Tennessee. Tennessee will definitely beat um, either Georgia, Auburn, or they'll have a shot in hell against Alabama. So, so they're, they're probably going to win one of these three games. It'll either be uh, Auburn. Uh, what am I reaching for here? Uh, Florida or Georgia? Yeah, they'll win one of those three games. Um, but in, in, in great old Tennessee fashion. They're going to find a way to screw the pooch and ruin the season. The good thing is there is not a more optimistic fan base in all of sports. Hands down. These guys have thought it was their year every year for the last two decades, and they've just been absolutely crushed. Uh, again, they're a 500 football team. 
bringing in two more SEC games uh, is not going to help their cause. Uh, and listen, it, it, there's going to be a lot of people out there, oh, he's a Vanderbilt fan, so he just hates Tennessee. Let me, let me clear this swampy air here for a minute. First and foremost, I'm an Austin Peay football fan. I do want Vanderbilt to do well. They were my favorite team until I went to college. And I went to, you know, the Austin Peay State University. So now I'm an Austin Peay fan. Correct. I just want to see Vanderbilt do well. I love D. Mace. Uh, but bringing two more games in didn't help them either. Just like it didn't help Kentucky. Just like it didn't help Missouri. Just like it didn't help Arkansas. But those bottom tier teams in the SEC, it didn't help them. Now, I'm not saying Tennessee's a, a, a you know, a, if you've got three tiers, they're probably in tier two. Yeah. They're definitely not in tier one. They, they're not even close. Yeah. Uh, they, they need a few more years. Unfortunately, with this year, uh, with everything going on, it's going to set them back. Their record's not going to look as good. But then again, when you schedule a subpar opponent and lose to them at home, well, does that really do your schedule any favors? So maybe a loss to a, a non-SEC opponent and a loss to an SEC opponent kind of is just a loss for them in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so I just, again, like I've said before, uh, I just hope the fan base is patient with Jeremy Pruitt uh, because the level of competition in the SEC is much better now than it was when they had their successful teams with Philip Fulmer. Um, when, while they wasted their time uh, with your boy Kiffin from USC uh, and Dooley and Butch Jones, while they wasted nearly 20 years with those three coaches, the, the rest of the SEC kept getting better and kept improving, and they just kind of stayed there. Uh, and that's really hurt them, and I, and I think their fan base just needs to be realistic. It is going to take some time to bounce back from that. Tennessee is not an eight- or nine-win team with adding two SEC games to the schedule. If you put two cupcakes in there, I might could see them getting to that eight and two mark, uh, but just no way are they going to do any better than six wins. I, I just don't see it. If you're going to bet on them, bet the under on their win total because they're not even going to be close. Yeah, I know there's been some some people that have looked at it and said, you know, going into that Tennessee game for Georgia at least, week two they have to take on Auburn before they take on Tennessee. Uh, so you have to know if they're going to be, you know, in the moment for that one. Uh, going into the Alabama game, which, again, Alabama would take on uh, – I believe they take on Georgia before they take on Tennessee. That's going to be another big matchup for Alabama. Um, but I still think those games are very hard for us to say that Tennessee will win because you and I have talked about in the past, they're just not there yet. Um, Alabama is still Alabama. Um, you know, Georgia is still Georgia. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where you can't really bank on that yet. Again, like we said, there's a possibility with Florida. Um, there is a possibility with Georgia. It's it's not like it's you know uh, improbable, but again, Alabama is a very tough team. Yeah, they'll get them at home, but it, it's still Alabama. It's still Nick Saban. So I I just I can't really buy in on a one loss season for uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. Um... I don't either. I, I mean, I hate it for I hate it for their fan base. Of course, I hate it for those players. Uh, but they're just not there. Uh, now, maybe they can get some magic going and, and do well. And, I mean, you know, for the sake of Jer- Jeremy Pruitt, I hope they can. Um, but, you know, it, this is just the, these – again, you have the UT fan base not being realistic on <laughs> – on what to expect. I mean, you know, right now, even even Vegas has got Tennessee at seven and a half wins. 
okay? If you're going to put money on that, you need to put money on the under uh, because no way is Tennessee winning eight games this year. It's just not going to happen. So if you've got an extra 100 bucks laying around and you want to make some quick money, uh, put, put it on the under for the Tennessee win total this year. Yeah, I, I kind of agreed with you there. I thought the best that they would do is maybe, you know, they might lose uh, uh, lose four. I think that's what I kind of had was that Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida would be the games that they would lose, uh, and they would have wins against South Carolina, Missouri, uh, Kentucky, Arkansas. I had them winning against Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M and against Vanderbilt. So um, mine was just a little bit different, but, I mean, not by much. So, I mean, what is that, that six wins for them? Yeah. yeah, so six yeah, they're, and four. They're, yeah, they're still in that category of that they're only a year removed from starting to beat teams they're supposed to beat. And, and you don't go from just getting over the hurdle of beating teams you're supposed to beat uh, and then win eight or nine games the following season. That, that's not the way it works in college football because as you continue to get better, so does everything around you. It's unfortunate for Tennessee – because they play in the greatest football conference in the country. You know, if they were in the ACC, they're probably a top. They're probably a top six program every year. Uh, but unfortunately, they play in the SEC, so they're going to have some regular season losses. And you know, listen, I hope uh, it wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if Tennessee won a national championship. I hope the hell like they would, just like you quit listening to it. <laughs> but I mean, I, honestly, I don't know if that would help or hurt them. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough. Who do you think has a better chance to go ten and zero? Would it be Alabama or LSU this season? Out of the two, yeah, um, man, that's that's tough. I mean, you got to go Alabama. LSU just not quite sure what they have at quarterback. Uh, I know they're returning a stellar defense. They're returning some great skill position players, but uh, you know you can't count Nick Saban out. It's so hard to go ten and zero though. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, in the sports media get butthurt when the SEC gets two teams into the playoffs. Well, listen, you might get two one-loss SEC teams in. Just because that schedule in the SEC, I don't care who your 10 games are against, that's a freaking gauntlet. And uh, it, it's going to be tough. So, I mean, I, I think Alabama may lose one along the way. Uh, but LSU, I think LSU may, may lose two along the way. They're going to lose to somebody they're not supposed to lose to. All right, I like that, man. Let's go ahead and move into our next topic here uh, as we continue on. Um, we start here with what we found over the weekend. Justin Fields, quarterback of Ohio State, has started a petition um, to relaunch the Big Ten season. He says he doesn't want it to end. This is a guy, uh, Justin, you kind of have to look at him and uh, – you know, we saw how Trevor Lawrence kind of stepped up originally and said, hey, we want to play. Um, and, and with the SEC, the the Big 12, and the ACC still playing, um, a team like Ohio State, which we talked about, would be one of the teams that could fare if they were able to break away. Um, but it's definitely a, a conference that, you know, you look at and you think, man, these, these guys should be playing it, you know, the Big 10 at least, uh, with the history that they have. So looking at it, are you know obviously I know you're you're with Justin Fields here um, when it comes to uh, you know trying to get people to play, but you know what does it say about Justin Fields knowing that this guy doesn't have to play a season and he was still going to be a draft pick and a high draft pick at that even without him having to actually play a season. So, with of course, we, we can all recognize the Big Ten is an absolute disaster right now. 
Uh, Kevin Warren, with his greenness to the position, didn't have quite the relationships established to be able to throw his blade around like a Greg Sankey would. Uh, I, I think if you look from Kevin Warren's aspect, he's got a son playing in South or uh, at Texas A or Mississippi State is where he has a son playing at. So I think we can see what his opinion is. His opinion is to play. So obviously this is up to the president. And I think if you read what uh, Justin Fields put out there and has signed the petition campaign, uh, they're going right after the presidents of these universities. These guys want to play. Uh, the, the Big Ten and Big Ten schools have the money to maintain the safe protocols they need for these players. Uh, and ultimately, you know, everybody in the sports media wants to talk about how these athletes need a voice and, and how there's nobody to stand up for them. Uh, but yet when they stand up and speak for themselves, it, it falls on deaf ears. And I think his willingness to play just shows you how much people are committed, and, and specifically these players, are committed to their college teammates. And, and that just speaks of the camaraderie you build uh, when you're with these guys. I know he started in Georgia, but he's been at Ohio State long enough now to have built a relationship. Uh, if he's as good as he is in his social media platform, uh, inside the locker room and inside the huddle, um, these guys would probably run through the gates of hell for this guy. And uh, so to see him step up and take leadership and really speak up and give the players a voice, which they don't have, um, is super impressive. And, I mean, honestly, for me, like if I'm an – and I know I, you hate to look at stuff this way, but you got to remember everything's always about business. Man, if I'm an NFL, like, GM or scout or owner, I want this guy. Like, I like Trevor Lawrence and what he does. But this guy, to stand up and be as vocal as he is and taking it as far as he's taking it, man, that is some great leadership skills. And what Justin Fields is, what, 20 years old? Yeah. Uh, maybe 21. So, you know, uh, damn, I want that guy on my team. I'm telling you right now, I, I'd want that guy on my team. Uh, so I love what he's doing. Uh, I just hope they can make some headway. You know, we've seen this from Justin Fields. We've seen uh, letters from parents of these players uh, from some of the major Big Ten schools. Uh, and I just hope ultimately they let them play. Again, it should be a player's decision on whether they play or not. Like I said earlier in the podcast, Vanderbilt's had six. Other schools have had a handful. So ultimately, you're just going to have to let the player decide on what they think is best for, for their career and their health. And like you pointed out, this is a guy who doesn't have to play and will probably still be a top five draft pick because of how valuable the quarterback in this news in the NFL so it's like he doesn't have to play. So his willingness to want to play and his desire to want to get out there and win, he went to Ohio State with one goal in mind. And that goal was to win a national championship, and he's trying to do everything he can to accomplish that. So that says you a lot of good character traits on what Justin Fields has. And, I mean, that, that guy, I'm telling you, that guy's going to be great just based off of his character alone. And he can swing the hell out of a football, too. That doesn't hurt. Yeah, as of Monday, uh, as of Monday, it said that there was over two hundred fifty thousand who have signed the petition um, to have the Big Ten uh, reinstate the season. And and to add to this, it was something that was emerging. Um, and I have to give a shout out to a good friend of mine, George Belecci, who is in Madison. He covers the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I was seeing him tweeting out things earlier today, which drew my attention to it. Uh, the Penn State Athletic Director, Sandy Barber, originally came out today and said that uh, there was actually not a formal vote. So originally we heard that there was a 12-2 vote that said that the Big Ten um, did not want to uh, – that, that, that was their final decision, that 12-2 um, 
said that they did not want to play a season. And now Sandy Barber has come out and said that they did not have an official vote. Um, and then the Minnesota president, uh, Joan Gable, said that it was just kind of that they had come to a conclusion kind of together. But there was never actually anybody that was saying, um, you know, that this was this is what they wanted to look at. And again, uh, you, you were talking uh, earlier um, the uh, the president of the Big Ten here, uh, the Big Ten commissioner Kevin Warren, even said that well, it wasn't really unanimous. So at this point, looking at everything, um, I, I kind of feel that they might get pushed into having a season. I, I just feel like there's a way here at this point to uh, push through and 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 do the right thing for these players. Well, well, sure it is. Um, I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call bullshit on that. I think you've just got ads out here trying to cover for these lackluster excuses of Presidents University. I think there's no mystery on where I stand with these elitist, leftist ass, you know, Presidents Universities. Uh, they're very weak minded, uh, and again, that's why you're hearing they had a vote, but now none of them have the testicular fortitude to step up and own their vote. And as a leader, right, wrong, or indifferent, when you make a decision, you have to stand by it. And none of these schools or school presidents are one to stand by the decisions they make. Um, and so with that week of a stance, I think you're right. I think the players, hopefully, and the coaches, along with the fan base, and hopefully, more importantly, the donors to these schools will step up and force the issue. Because I promise you, if you gather the top 25 to 30 donors at these big schools, and they say, hey, we want these guys to play, they play football. So hopefully they can bully these presidents around like these presidents tried to bully and throw their weight around with the players and not having a season. Um, best case scenario, obviously, they play. And everybody knows I'm a fan of optimism. Uh, and so I think they will play. How it'll look, I don't know, because I don't have any confidence in the big team. Uh, I, I, think, I think Warren is way in over his head. Uh, and I just, I, it's a disaster is what it is. Uh, so I don't know if they'll play as a Big Ten, but I'll I tell you one thing, I got a good feeling there's going to be a lot of Big Ten schools playing this fall. Yeah, and I kind of feel uh, I kind of feel that the only one that we still won't ever have anything from is uh, the side that we know won't have any, and that's the Pac-12. So uh, I don't think that, yeah, Pac, I don't think that any of them will be able to do it. Yeah, where the Pac-12 messed up, they have schools on the, on the West Coast, and that's just a disaster. Uh, you know, you, right now you've got a mass exodus in the country. People are fleeing those those West Coast cities uh, just because of the, what you see out of the Pac-12. Just piss poor leadership. Nobody has the balls to stand up and do what's right. Uh, they just want to cop out and just kick the can down the road and move on to what they think is something better. Uh, and ultimately, it's just not better for them. Yeah, man, I agree with you on that one. I do think, though, I do think we'll find a way for the for the Big Ten to uh, make something happen. And and you know, I, I feel that even like you said, even if it's just you know, well, if you guys want to play and you can find some open dates to play, you know, make it happen. And and I feel that that's a that's a good possibility. You know, we talked about Ohio State, Penn State, teams like that, Nebraska, Iowa. I think Michigan uh, would find a way as well um, with with old, with old Jimmy H. So. Um, I think that would be a great possibility to see some of those team play. And I think if Michigan did it, Michigan State would try as well. So, um, 
I, I think it'd be fun to see, you know, and like we said, there's there's a lot of things that could happen. You you kind of don't have borders there, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure some of these Big 12 teams and, you know, some of the SEC and ACC squads would love to pick some of these other teams up uh, and give them schedules and their open dates on top of them if they wanted to play those six other, you know, five other teams maybe that pop out um, of the Big 10 with them. Yeah, and, and, and as we, we learn to live with this virus in better ways, uh, don't be surprised if some of these uh, some of these limits put on certain schools for their scheduling changes, uh, because I'm I'm hearing some really good stuff out of that. Now I will um, I will say this as we wrap up, Ethan. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got a dear friend of mine uh, from the Middle Tennessee area. He works on staff with the University of Tennessee. Um, their coaching staff is not as optimistic as the leadership of their university that the SEC will play football this fall. Wow. So I will I will throw that out there. Uh, I talked with him this past weekend. Uh, he is there with the team. Of course, he can't leave campus because of the protocols they have. Uh, he's there with the team uh, each day. And uh, he said some of the coaches, just like I said, aren't quite uh, didn't show quite the optimism that, that uh, their chancellor and uh, AD showed the other day. Uh, so that is something just to kind of keep a pulse on. Again, I'm an optimist, and I want everybody to play football uh, because I am a fan of football. I'm a fan of sports. I think sports uh, is a great uniting factor, and I think it gives great entertainment value to people who are going through a really tough time right now, whether it be because they're disconnected from friends and family or they've been impacted financially by this. Uh, so I think we need to play just to bring some relief to these people that are out there struggling right now. Um and that's just kind of that's kind of it. But I did want to throw it out there about Tennessee. Uh, that that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. All right, man. Well, I appreciate that insight. And again, Justin, thank you so much for joining me. As I said, we we've wrapped up now episode twenty five. So we're uh, a quarter uh, the quarter century mark here. Um, and we're at a nearly 700 total downloads. So I was talking with Cody early on in the show, uh, you know, getting close to that thousand mark. Um, I think we'll have a thousand downloads before we even hit episode 30. So, um, really excited. Can I throw this to you to, uh, kind of piss off some Corona bros out there? Absolutely. Okay. So today the first up the NFL game of the upcoming year on September 10th with the Texans and the chiefs. Is going to be at uh, 22% capacity. Uh, so about 18,000 NFL fans will be there week one, first game of the NFL season this year. That's big considering where we were, you know, three or four months ago. Yeah. Uh, that's really, really good news. Uh, so I think, you know, if we can keep plugging away as Americans, we'll be just fine. And just to remind people, the first college football game of the year is August 29th, Austin P against Central Arkansas. So if you've been starving for college football, it's going to be a great game to watch. Two of the best programs right now in FCS football, uh, Central Arkansas is actually ranked. Uh, so there they are, a really good program. So just two things to kind of keep an eye out for. But, you know, because right now, man, we're over halfway through August. September is knocking on the door, and it's time to go and play some college football. Absolutely, man. And then professional football right around the corner. Uh, all exciting, uh, especially because, you know, as, as we all know, uh, football is the most watched sports and the uh, most watched sport in the United States, um, and and the people love it. So uh, without that, would be absolutely. Uh, I think that would be the first time we actually 
think uh, have some insanity there in our minds if we didn't have uh, football. So, Justin, again, man, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode. And uh, as always, we'll try to jump back in on Thursday and have another great show for you guys. Thanks so much for listening to episode 25 of Talking Schmidt. <laughs>